0: Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Does this pod look sufficiently large to cast about?
1: I believe that it is a castable pod.
0: Let us cast this pod then.
1: To the (laughs) podcastery. Coming to you almost live from an actual, honest-to-God podcasting studio, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your
0: podcasting hosts. That is the most accurate description of what we do you've ever stated on this it's show. It's
1: true. And uh, we are particularly podcasty because we are interviewing some other local podcasters.
0: Yeah, we'll have uh, Phil and Robin Wilson on the show later. Phil is the host of Off Menu, a food podcast. And Robin is the host of The One, which I think I would describe as a romance podcast. But we'll get to that a little later on. That's right. In the meantime, you're hearing this post-federal election. And we are recording this pre-federal election. Which means we have no good information for you. (laughs) That's right. We don't know
1: what is going to go down. And by the time you listen to it, you will have known what has gone down. Can we truly offer any insight?
0: Yes, I think we can. Probably. There will be a male prime minister... I, I, know there are, I know Elizabeth May is running for the Greens. I know she wants to be prime minister, but I'm fairly certain I can say we have a male prime minister again.
1: For those tuning in after the federal election, all of you, basically, <laughs> yeah. who are listening to this, um, there are a few facts that we can state on this, the final day of the campaign before the election, which that, is when we are recording. Exactly, this. yeah. Uh, as it stands, as you look into the past, possibly fondly, who knows? Uh, come the time that you listen to this podcast. Some of you will. Um, or sullenly, perhaps sadly, looking into the past. Uh, as of today, the Liberal Party of Canada
0: currently is in the lead in the polls. Yeah, so by the time you're hearing this, who knows? Maybe maybe Justin Trudeau will be Prime Minister or maybe he'll be the leader of, well, still the Prime Minister maybe, or the leader of some minority coalition. I don't know. Um,
1: I think it's... A fairly safe assumption to say at this point, the worst Trudeau could do is opposition leader.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like that—that that would be the worst case scenario. For it, w- him.
0: it was really interesting watching this campaign, the longest campaign in Canadian history, seventy-eight days. Yep. Uh, it was interesting to watch it start with very strong support for the Conservatives, and then over time. Um, that support just dwindled. I don't I think it's a case against long campaigns.
1: Uh it, it might very well be. And uh it was also a very, some might say uh hateful campaign. It was
0: vicious. It,
1: it was mean. Yep. It was one of the arguably dirtiest campaigns in Canadian history. Agreed. And uh moreover, it uh kind of at the outset, I might have said that it was in some ways, Thomas Mulcair's campaign to lose because he was still riding on the momentum of the Orange Crush from the last federal election, which saw him land in opposition status. Yep. Um, it also came off the, fresh off the, the crest of the Orange Crush here in Alberta, which yeah. ousted a longstanding conservative political
0: dynasty. And I think that actually set expectations very high for the federal NDP as well. Um, and yet they are currently polling in a distant third place.
1: And I'm a little surprised because I I would
0: not have expected that. Me neither. In fact, uh, as much as I disliked the conservative ads at the beginning of the campaign about Justin Trudeau's hair, I also felt very strongly at the beginning of the campaign that he was not ready for the job. Um, Yeah, I actually was surprised at how
1: much focus the conservatives had on the liberals at the beginning of the campaign because I was like... Should, shouldn't they have been attacking the NDP? It's like they're ignoring the NDP, and the NDP seem like they're the they're the guys who are going to challenge them. Yeah. But apparently, the Conservatives knew something I did not, because here we are on the final day of the campaign. Yeah. And the Liberals are polling in the lead, and the NDP are way in third place. And so,
0: well, and what you do all, I know? I, I don't know what you know, but you all listening with the benefit of hindsight now, it'll be interesting to see, uh, or or I'll put it this way. It's interesting to see <laughs> that uh, that a couple of um former former conservative strongholds in Alberta were taken by liberals because that's the polling is telling us, and I know reliability, blah, blah, blah. The polling is telling us that there will be there could be some upsets, indeed. In fact, in in my writing, in your own writing, maybe. We don't know. I, I'm in Edmonton Centre. I'm in Edmonton Mill Woods, And uh, there's two very strong liberal candidates that uh, people are, as of, you know, a couple of weeks ago and even before that, but really rallying behind.
1: That's right. And 3.9 million Canadians already have cast their vote. Which is unbelievable. And that is a much higher turnout than last year. And... Uh, Again, this is this you'll know for sure when you hear the podcast, but currently speculating. Um, people don't usually number one, uh, uh, a high voter turnout for the advance polls usually is a signifier of high voter turnout in the general election. That is true. And people don't usually turn out in droves to vote for the status quo
0: no they come out because they're upset and they want to see change generally speaking so that was an increase of 71% over the 2011 election advance polls now here's the trick 2011 advance polls took place over 3 days mm-hmm. 2015's over 4 mm-hmm. even with that extra day 71% it's 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 an astonishing number yeah it's crazy
1: they were they were turning people away yeah and I, that sounds weird to say, and it, it is weird to say, but so many people turned out to the advance polls at some polling stations. I don't know necessarily in Edmonton, but certainly in Vancouver, there were reports of it, mm-hmm. that the lineups were there to the point where the polling station closed. And they had to literally shut the door and, and say, I'm sorry, you, we're closed. Like, this is the end of polling. Like this, you have to go home and come back
0: on the general election. Wow, so if you're the incumbent, you may be worried about these things. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, um... Monday has come and gone but it's also a very impor- uh, very important day for nerds because it's when a new Star Wars trailer comes out
1: arguably more important than the federal election for some
0: I think yes oh, no question absolutely and and um, I just wanted to get your thoughts you know you've seen some of the some of the artwork some of the teaser trailers you've been disappointed in the past We've all been disappointed in the past. We have. And Even you, you Star Trek fans have been disappointed in the past. I have to say this. this is really funny. I, the, Michael Dorn did an Ask Me Anything mm-hmm. on Reddit. And for those of you who don't know, Michael Dorn played Worf in Star Trek, The Next Generation. In and Deep Star Space. Trek Deep Space Nine. Yep. And um, someone asked him about Star Wars, and he says he loved the Star Wars series, but was disappointed by the most recent three films. It's so reasonable. now, Disney acquired Lucasfilm. Disney mm-hmm.
1: Disney's already proven that they can handle uh, uh, a fan-beloved IP yep. with their success with the Marvel movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they they sort of... The Disney brand gets out of the way in these cases, I feel. Like, it doesn't feel like the magic of Disney exactly.
1: They, they know when to kind of hand off the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. To someone who knows what they're doing. And I would argue that the last two Star Trek movies were J.J. Abrams' auditioning to do a Star Wars movie.
0: Because they were not Star Trek movies. That is true.
1: But they were awesome Star Wars movies.
0: Yes, they were terrific. <laughs> yeah, very absolutely correct. And so, and so that's just a very long way of saying, are you looking forward to The Force Awakens?
1: Oh, boy. I'm trying not to get my hopes up.
0: <laughs> Spoken um, like a
1: true nerd. I love it. But um, I admit, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit of the hype. Uh, the stuff that I've seen so far has been... Tantalizing. Very. Um, I like, I think J.J. Abrams is is a good action director, and I think that that's what's needed here. Um, I like that he's deliberately decided to go a little old school, using a lot more practical effects, yeah. and, and a lot of the the same movie magic that made the original Star Wars movies seem so, I don't know, great. So magical. I'll use the word magical. Yeah, again. why not? As opposed to the computer-generated cartoons that George Lucas gave us for the prequels. Ugh. Um I just feel sick I'm I'm excited about to them. see the old cast back in the saddle yes. even even if even if all of them are just there for one movie and then a starship falls on them and they're all dead. Just seeing them one more time in those roles would be good enough for me.
0: Maybe that's what happens that you see that big star destroyer on what looks like Tatooine just it just lands it on them. It just everybody. landed on them and crushed yeah. them. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. We'll find out. I remember reading um uh like an excerpt from an interview that um Harrison Ford, I was going to say Han Solo, because that's who he is to me. Kind of. Yeah, that Harrison Ford did at San Diego Comic-Con. And, and, you know, he's kind of a surly old dude now. And he has gone on record
1: in the past saying that Star Wars was one of his least
0: favorite things to work on. Yeah, and so someone asked him, you know, you know, you were sort of drawn into doing a new Star Wars film, what did you think? And I don't have the quote in front of me directly, but he said something like, you know, I was... I wasn't super excited about it, and then I saw the script, and and for a geek like me, that was like that was enough, you know that. And then you've got people like. Uh, um, I like that they've cast most uh, quite a few unknown actors, at least to me. They're not well. When you
1: have to remember, when
0: Star Wars was
1: first brought out, it was not a big budget no. picture. The original Star Wars was done on a shoestring budget by uh, a crazed George Lucas, <laughs> who was desperate to try to get this film workable at the last minute before it was supposed to be in theaters. It was expected to be a huge flop. Yeah, and they did not cast big name actors. Alec Guinness was the biggest actor they had in that movie. And Alec Guinness wasn't well-known in the United States at the time. No. He was a big British actor. Yeah. But he was not really well-known over here.
0: And Harrison, Everyone else was virtually unknown. And Harrison Ford, I mean, this is well-known now, but he was like a set carpenter at the time.
1: He had... Uh, he'd, he'd done American Graffiti before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he had worked with George Lucas, and he was on set, basically, to help out in a technical role. And because George had worked with him in the past, he just asked him to read... For some of the casting, yeah, just opposite some of the people they were seriously considering. They were like, "Oh God, like I think he might just be the guy."
0: Plus, he looks really good in those pants. Yeah,
1: so they so they ended up casting him. But yeah, it, it was it was an unknown cast at the time, and so you know, not necessarily casting a whole bunch of big name actors might do good for it. it them. It'll be interesting. It, See some breakout performances,
0: and um, and you know, it's 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 Star Wars for a modern era. Uh, com- comparatively speaking it was interesting to see when i mean everyone knows gwendolyn christie is playing this sort of i don't know if she's like the head of the phasma is she like the head of the stormtroopers or something she's wearing
1: the shiniest stormtrooper outfit of them all so i'd say she's probably the boss
0: right so a, a bunch of fans got on like the star wars face facebook page and they were like how come her breastplate doesn't have boobs on it and Star Wars was like, "How about fuck you guys?" That's not exactly what they said, but that was the spirit of what Kinda. they said. It
1: was it was mostly along the lines of, um, "She's a woman in armor that that should be good enough." Like that's that's what armor looks she, like. She can fit. She into just it. happens to be a woman in it. Like that's yeah. And, and there were a lot of people you who were really impressed that they had cast a woman as a stormtrooper, the first canonical film female stormtrooper, and for that matter, the first canonical female ranking imperial officer.
0: Actually, a that's true.
1: And all the other, all the imperial officers were
0: dudes in the original stuff. Yeah, and and the stormtroopers were, as it turns out, all clones.
1: Uh, apparently, eventually they got off the cloning bandwagon, right? Because okay. there's a black guy who's a stormtrooper and a woman who's a stormtrooper in the new movies.
0: Well, so. and so I don't know. Well, and there was a bunch of uproar about that. So there's some people who are so married to the original idea of Star Wars they don't want to see any deviation from it. But I believe, based on what I've seen and heard this could be the revival of the Star Wars franchise that will make up for the errors of the past. And I would, I, I know that's a really high expectation. That is, that is a high bar, but it might clear it. We'll have to wait and see. You know, speaking of high expectations, we've got this great new player playing for the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid. Yep. Uh, people have gone so far as to call him McJesus. Yep. Which is crazy. Kind of and um and he scored one goal in the first four games of the regular season for the Oilers mm-hmm. and they lost all four games they sure did and then at the time of this recording they the night before they played the Calgary Flames and destroyed them at the Saddledome yeah 5-2 yeah. was the final score
1: and it was all number 1 draft picks who were scoring on the night was it really yeah it was uh it was like Hall and McDavid and Yakubov.
0: and so McDav- I believe
1: don't quote me on that
0: oh uh, well we'll have to double check but uh McDavid scored two goals and had one assist. Yeah. And as I understand it, at the beginning, you know, at the beginning of the game, every time he touched the puck, Calgary fans would boo him, mm-hmm. as you do. Mm-hmm. And after a little while, they just kind of kept their mouth shut. Yep. <laughs> Which is awesome. And it's neat to see a game like that after such a poor showing of the first four games, where, you know, the first four games you can imagine, Edmonton fans are just. You get
1: you get that sinking feeling. Oh, we've seen this before.
0: Is this really happening again?
1: Let's get who's who's going to be our number one draft pick again this
0: season? Exactly. And then this happens, and suddenly everyone's like, "Oh, wait, things will get better." That there's there's that glimmer of hope. And if they don't get better, at least we kick the shit out of the Calgary Flames. So there's always that. I guess it seemed to be something that people were really excited about. Yeah. But I think most people are actually just excited for election season to be over. Mostly. It's taken its toll. Uh, which might be why so many people, speaking of sports, mm-hmm. are also up on the Blue Jays. Oh my god. Yeah. This is a this is a once in they haven't they haven't been this good in like twenty five years. Some like that. Yeah. Um as of the time of this recording. That's right.
1: Uh they did beat uh Arlington, Texas. The Rangers. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh in um the semifinal yeah. for the ACLS. That's correct. And uh it was a nail biter.
0: That they, last inning.
1: They went down two games in a five a best of five series. Yeah. And the Rangers were basically like, Well, we're gonna sweep those guys. Best of luck next year, Blue Jays. Yeah. And then the Blue Jays came back and won the next three. It was crazy. Including an insane. Third game. And it wasn't the fifth
0: fifth game. It wasn't the last inning. It was the seventh inning where things got really crazy. Uh, Things got
1: so crazy that at one point the Toronto crowd just turned on the game. Really? And was throwing stuff on the field.
0: Now, I wasn't watching it, um, and your job is to sort of keep track of some of this stuff. A little bit. So, was it um, that bad calls were being made? There were a couple questionable calls.
1: The Blue Jays continued playing the game after the top of the seventh under protest. Really? Because of uh, a questionable call. by the umpires that allowed the uh, rangers to get uh, a run and then the blue jays were just like well screw this and like got a three run home run immediately (laughs) after that tying up the game and then went on to win it
0: and it was by a significant margin too wasn't it like six three uh it was it was pretty significant
1: now since then in the ACLS finals, right? The Blue Jays are now down two games again,
0: and they're playing Kansas. right? They are
1: playing Kansas now. Yes, um, this is a best of seven series this time, so they're not oh, out of it yet. Okay, but um, history might repeat itself, and they can't—they
0: can't rely on. I mean, statistically, you can't rely on winning x number of games in a row. You need to finish the. Series.
1: Apparently, the Blue Jays have been really streaky this season. Really? So they'll they'll lose a few games and then they'll just string a chain of wins together. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe that's just their mo. They, maybe they
0: need to have their backs up against the wall to come back out swinging, so to speak. Well, let's. <laughs> I like that. Let's hope that's actually the case. Um, there's some concern that tomorrow's, at the time of this recording, that Monday's Blue Jays game will prevent people from voting they're gonna make a choice to go see the Blue Jays well uh seeing as the
1: polls are open for 12 hours the Blue Jays game is not 12 hours long I'd say that people have no
0: excuse there literally is no excuse that's right now um we should talk a little bit about uh PureSpec yes which is coming up at you know uh this is three days away now at the time that you're listening to this at the time that we released it um, so, October uh, 23rd, 24th, and 25th. And we are the
1: media guests of honor. We,
0: so, it took us almost six years to become guests of honor. And you know what? PureSpec's always been so wonderful to us. They invite us to interview guests of honor. That's right. We've uh, managed to interview several
1: prominent authors. It's been unbelievable. Over a number of years, yeah. which has been uh, a great treat. One that we will not be able to do again in the future. No, that's true. This that's, will be our last pure spec as the
0: unknown studio. We are we are giving up certain things, but we get to be guests, which is kind of cool. That's right. And we're actually going to be interviewing their artist guest of honors. That is correct, as I understand it. And uh, and then we have to it's do probably do other stuff. stuff. Too. There will be other stuff. Yeah. Uh,
1: I am. Definitely doing a talk on viral horror fiction,
0: which is something you did at MiniSpec, right?
1: Uh, which I am repeating at spec for cool. those who couldn't be in attendance the first time, and or who want to come back and see it this time with a PowerPoint presentation.
0: Oh, you did! It, you did it without. Uh, I without did it without, without any
1: visual uh, aids whatsoever the first time. That's this time, I've actually put something together.
0: What made you? Uh, what made you decide to throw some PowerPoint behind the words? Uh,
1: Mike Pershawn. He made you do it. Well. His talk was so much better than mine, Ugh. partly because of the visual aids. Don't so, you hate that? Don't uh, you hate that, Mike Pershawn?
0: No, you don't, because he's a wonderful man. That's right.
1: Uh, so that is one thing that is definitely in our schedule for that weekend.
0: I'm very excited to see your presentation. Uh, there will probably be other things that we just have not planned yet. Because yeah, we are lazy. That's. Uh, I got an email from, uh, from Stan Wu, who is one of the organizers, uh, saying... So are you gonna let us know what you're doing? And I was like, you know what? Scott and I are gonna talk about it. Don't worry. And he, that seemed acceptable to him. There you go. We I, uh I was gonna say, oh. I do wanna do another Battle of the Trexes. Like at, a proper one this time? At Pure Spec. I think it would be uh I think it'd be a lot of fun. You, me, Malcolm Azania is gonna be there That's or right. Minister Faust. Uh we'll invite Samantha Power back because she's awesome. Sure. And maybe we could get—I don't know—Devin and—and it was just so much fun when we did it at the Citadel. That's right. So I'm gonna try and organize one of those. Okay. And you know, we'll 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 have some stuff. It'll draw a crowd. Yeah. People love Star Trek because it is the best.
1: We we spent a whole bunch of time talking about Star Wars before.
0: I'm just pointing that out. I I don't want to talk about what we just talked about. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> No, it's fair. Uh,
1: I love both. Speaking of pure spec, yes, um, we we will be recording over the course of the weekend. Yeah, uh, not only our own panels, but also, uh, we, as mentioned, we'll probably be interviewing a couple of the guests of honor. Almost. So already. our our episode after this one will be our pure spec episode, which usually we have uh, an episode. Yeah. In our season, which is our pure spec episode where we have our interview with our author guest of honor. So that, that will be what will be the next episode after this one. That's right. Just so that you are forewarned. Yep.
0: Um, it'll be great. It will be great. It always is with pure spec. Usually the little festival that could kind of, is kind of what I feel like they should be like, you know, and there's still like, I mean, I feel like they get the last year. They got a really, really good attendance by my reckoning, but there's, there's a passionate group of people that want to talk about speculative fiction and writing in fantasy and science fiction genres
1: um, PureSpec for many years tried to be what the Edmonton Expo is yeah. and never really gained the traction which is a shame um, Edmonton Expo kind of came in and just blew them out of the water
0: but they had the whole like the whole construct of what they were doing in exactly yeah
1: them. no the they weren't building it from scratch. That's right. And I think that certainly gave them the the leg up. But PureSpec continues to offer something the Edmonton Expo does not, and that is the significant literary component. Mm-hmm. Because the Expo does not have that as much. A little
0: bit, a little bit. Sometimes, yeah.
1: But Expo focuses mo- mostly on media stuff. Yeah. And that is not... PureSpec kind of pulled away from that. I think the that they realized that's just something... They, they just can't compete. And so they they kind of... Uh, rearranged their eggs into different baskets and and went, you know what? We do very well, the
0: literary stuff. Yeah. And that will be our focus. And I think that that was a good move for PureSpec. I do too. I mean, when we went last year, it was a lot of fun. And and there was a lot of really great talks by a variety of different guests and people in the community. So, and you know, Edmonton actually has a pretty good uh, fantasy and literary scene. I mean, we've got on-spec is made here we've got guys like marty chan continuing to do the amazing things and they do. minister faust and minister faust yeah so yeah no it'll be really great if you can you must come see us it will be
1: possibly your last chance
0: to see us ever in person yeah because after the unknown studio is done we both just disappear into a cloud of vapor we cease to exist in a way that you understand existence. That's, yes. <laughs> I mean.
1: Outside of the podcast, we have no ontological inertia whatsoever. No, it's. We just uh, stop
0: being. It's quite horrific, <laughs> actually. Uh, but, but don't worry. I mean, you know, you, you, there's still a chance. There's still you a might, chance.
1: You might catch a glimpse of our ghostly forms just yeah. kind of passing passing th- behind you in a mirror, perhaps. Yeah, trying And you'll turn around
0: to catch a glimpse of us. You'll be like, oh, Adam. But he'll be gone. And all you'll smell is sandalwood and bacon <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> because if I could smell like anything, you'd choose the time, sandalwood and bacon. Yeah. I just feel like the. Just, just, it's just a good mix of smells. A sickly sweet <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. It'd be good. It would be fine. It'd be fine. It would be good. So, yeah, we'll see you at Pure Spec. And, um, you know, maybe we'll even do a session on uh, how to podcast. Who knows? We won't need to do that session for our two guests who will be joining us. We'll be right back with Robin and Phil Wilson talking to them about their two brand new podcasts here on The Unknown Studio. Phil and Robin Wilson are our guests on the show today now you might know phil as the bacon hound mm-hmm. that's what you do <laughs>
2: that's what i do yeah
0: and the woman behind the man in some ways has stepped out from behind the man to do her own podcast robin thanks for joining us my pleasure why don't we start with you robin tell us a little bit about the one
3: the one is a podcast about love okay so to, be, to keep it simple
0: well, I we like overly complicated stuff. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so what does that involve? And and well, first of all, tell us what, what the show involves.
3: Uh, well, what I do right now, I'm tapping people that I know um, until hopefully I get a bigger audience and people actually want to come on. Um, but I'm tapping couples that I know that are in love <laughs> to come on my show and answer deeply, deeply personal questions <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, how they met and. Their first kiss
0: and that sort of thing. Ew. Are those really deeply personal questions? No. I don't know. No. It depends on if you're asking where the kiss yeah. was. The way Robin
3: answers
2: asks those questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> so was it?
3: <laughs> so was there lots of tongue? Yeah. yeah. No. Was it
0: gross? Were you sweating? <laughs> Now, what has that been like exploring these these stories with with people? I know you've you've released a couple of episodes, so you're you're starting down the path, but maybe share with us uh some of the insight into why you started to do it
3: um, Well, Phil had a podcast, and I was jealous <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not really true. Um, I think there should be more good in the world hmm. And so I want to be a part of putting good out there. And everyone can relate to love, even if you're not in a relationship. It's a universal theme that people know about and hope to achieve if they don't have it, I would like to think. So I thought it would be something that people could relate to and something that hopefully people would enjoy listening to. And it's something that I can be proud of putting out there rather than you know, nasty negative Gross things.
1: Sure. Wanting to put more positive things out there. Probably one of the best reasons to do a podcast, for the record. Certainly a better reason than what we had.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Ego and (laughs) (laughs) self-manipulation. I mean, that's what you don't see.
3: That's part of my podcast. No. No, no. Not (laughs)
0: self-manipulation. So how was it the first time you, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Adam is making obscene
1: hand gestures just, just, just for the record
3: It's big,
2: it's gross, it's scary Super
3: nasty yeah. I assume
1: that's
2: always what's going on behind the scenes Kind of yeah, yeah, usually I'm
0: just like, you know, ski poling, that kind of thing It's really gross Now, speaking of really gross, Phil, you are a food blogger <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great segue I
0: knew I,
1: I knew I was
2: going to regret coming on this <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the second time yes. Now, the first time we had you on was to talk about your your hamburger challenge Is that what you called it? Burger Odyssey. Burger Odyssey. You were close. Hamburger Challenge. Yeah. Yours sounds way better. Did did (laughs) the Burger Odyssey come to an end?
2: Or are you still burger? Oh, yeah. a Long time ago. Yeah. I I could almost start another one, but I'm not going to.
0: Do you remember who the best burger was, out of curiosity? Uh,
2: I did a top five list because I I was gutless and couldn't choose, (laughs) essentially. Um, I kind of narrowed it down to definitely my top two. Which were the downtown diner in Fort Saskatchewan. Which I've never been to.
1: Oh, Well, now you have a real excuse to go.
2: uh, Yeah,
0: Yeah. an actual reason.
2: And the other one, which I actually find at this point, I probably go to... That's probably the place I go to the most often, is Jack's Burger Shack in St. Albert. Really? Mm. Yeah. How come all the best places have to be out of town? I don't know. It's ridiculous.
0: They've figured it out.
2: Why don't they think of the environment? I have to drive all the time every time I go. It's just not fair.
0: Yeah. Well, you'll sort that out somehow. Molecular transportation... Jetpack. Or I'll make you drive next time. Or I'll drive. Yeah. I guess we're going to St. Albert pretty soon. Sounds good. It's great. We'll bring you, Scott. We can visit your mom. My mom lives on the south side of Edmonton. She moved to the south side of Edmonton. That's right. Well, though anyway. you could you could
1: bring me around to help show you around. As yeah. an, as a former native Saint Albert.
0: Yeah, we, we wouldn't know where we were going. Um but so, you, so you've got this food blog that's very popular. You've been doing it for a few years. You you actually started a podcast a while ago with uh, with carlin from uh, kitchen magpie
2: yeah we were doing that for a little while i don't even honestly remember how many episodes we did we were kind of rolling around uh, you know maybe every couple of weeks or so and we kind of it kind of fell off the map because carlin was traveling a lot over the winter and she's concentrating on writing a, a cookbook so she's been putting a hell of a lot of time into that lately so it just got to be that point where we would record a couple like right before christmas And they would get really busy and they would never see the light of day. And six months later, I'd see her post it like, oh, a new podcast. I'm going, wow, how long ago was that? I don't remember (laughs) what we talked about. And so, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll revive that one as well. Yeah. Because it's a totally different topic than what I'm doing right now with my own personal one. But, uh, you know, that'll have to wait until she's got a little more time and she's done with her cookbook.
0: Well, so what, what is, how is, um, off menu? How is that different from sweet tooth and meat tooth? What are you trying to accomplish with your show?
2: Uh, Sweet tooth and me tooth. We were kind of talking about essentially whatever we felt like it. You know, uh, we Carlin would talk about where we've been in the last little while and eaten. You know, sort of impromptu restaurant reviews almost. Uh, we would just hit whatever we felt like really, and probably drink too much on it, or just enough depends on who you ask.
0: Is there such a thing? I mean, I I specifically brought beer for this one because I know you two, <laughs> especially you, Robin. <laughs>
3: I do drink a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> anyway,
0: so so you got more drunk on the old show.
2: Yeah, we're still drinking on this one. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, we haven't given that up cold turkey. But the new one, I just I wanted to focus more on the local food scene. Where the old one, we could talk about any restaurant anywhere for traveling or whatever. Uh, a little bit more frivolous. This one, I wanted to be a little bit more structured and talk to the people in the food scene, with a chef or a baker. Actually, this morning, we recorded the latest one with Shannon from Nature's Green Acres. So we've got Farmer on there, and we can have an interesting conversation about that. And I wanted to really explore the people in Edmonton who are doing the best things. And these tend to be some of the best people, too. Like, they're fantastic people. The first two episodes, if you haven't listened to it, iTunes.com, off menu. (laughs) Go ahead and subscribe. Well played. (laughs) But essentially, I mean, what you find out in 25 or 30 minutes of that podcast is that these are some outstanding people Mm -hmm. that are doing the really good things in Edmonton's food scene. So, I mean, that's a really common theme. Like, uh, you know, you finish up after half an hour and I'm thinking, man, I want to keep talking to these people. Let's shut off the microphone and have a couple of drinks and we'll just hang out.
1: Well, and that seems like a pretty deep well to go into as well because Edmonton has a very... Vibrant and thriving food culture,
0: it seems to me. And it's only gotten bigger and bigger. I mean, I was reading, Omar Mualim wrote an article for The Walrus about how it's called Deadmonton Rising, which was really interesting to me. And, you know, he talks about um, Connor McDavid and the Oilers and how the the team has been sort of a bellwether for the fortune of the city. And then he mentions, you know, that we've got a few Food Network-approved restaurants here who would have ever thought that would happen in Edmonton
2: yeah I mean that's really in the last half a dozen years or so yeah you know there. I used to get that question all the time you know where should you go to eat where's the best restaurant and you'd kind of struggle with it. well there's a couple places that are okay but at this point uh, I don't really have a whole lot of problem recommending places anymore yeah and I think there's it, places like when somebody comes into town I'm I can't wait to take them to Corso 32 you know places like that so that's a the rest of the country needs to catch up with the whole idea that Edmonton is now a good food city. It's a good place to come. It's worthy to come here and try some food. Yeah, And that didn't used to be the case.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, It was a matter of... And th- this is both for the the food scene and for a number of other kind of local scenes to tie into the Edmonton Rising thing. I mm. think a lot of people finally went, oh, there's nothing to do in Edmonton. And rather than just complain about it, actually decided, no, I'm going to do something. And then there will be something to do in Edmonton and enough people finally just started doing that, that now there's a whole lot to do and a whole lot to see and a whole lot to eat in Edmonton.
0: Do you think there's an opportunity for the two of you to somehow work together? Like for Robin to find new interview subjects, who've maybe had a fabulous romantic experience at a restaurant that one of your chefs or, or someone you're talking to could pass along do you, Is that part of the strategy?
3: I think we see and do enough together as it is. This is Ouch. our...
0: <laughs> it's kind of a funny question. I mean, I, Robin, I know... Are you still helping Phil to produce the podcast? I am. You, yeah. you, like, I, when I called you the woman behind the man, it wasn't a cliche. Like, you guys work together a lot. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: more like the brains behind the moron. Yeah. That's what it's more like. That's yeah.
0: what I tell people yeah. <laughs> when you're not here. We're, we're trying to be polite yeah, on this show. Is really awkward. <laughs> What is it like? What is it like though? I mean, I obviously you've been helping on Bacon Hound and Off Menu uh, quite a bit. What is the one like? Is it is it uh is it totally your own thing?
3: It is. Yeah. It is totally my own thing. Um it's Phil was sort of surprised right out the gate because he said I sounded so comfortable.
0: I have to agree. <laughs> that Thank first you. episode with uh Rebecca and Kyle. Kyle, her mm-hmm. husband, uh, was it was you sounded like a seasoned interviewer.
3: Thank you. I have to say. It helped that Becky and Kyle are two of my closest friends. Sure. Which is why I wanted to start with them. Yeah. It was supposed to be just sort of a practice one to get the feel of the mic and, you know, to learn the program. And then it turned out, I thought, really very well.
0: Well, there's a point in that episode where uh, Becky sort of, you know, emotionally <laughs> breaks down. <laughs> she and did. And that was a very, I, we've never had that on this show. Nor
1: probably will we.
0: Usually we break down emotionally after we shut off the microphone. <laughs> Can you believe we just did another episode? I mean, what? Well, how? like knowing that these are your friends, you're asking them questions that are I, I maybe sensitive is not the right word, but very personal. Mm-hmm. How did you manage to keep it together?
3: It, it was tough. I actually, you know, a little peek behind the curtain, I had to hit pause and Becky actually collected herself a bit and... She she said, you know, I knew you were going to ask me this question, and I was prepared, and I swore I wasn't going to cry, but it was the time that she was talking about was she had a lot of sickness in her family, and she was going down to Calgary because her mom was in the hospital, and I didn't even know when I asked that, but it was the anniversary of that time. Oh, man. So, I mean, it was already pretty raw, and it was right at the surface. But she so, was
0: she was willing to talk about it. She was. That's amazing. She was. You're like the... Well, I wasn't going to say Gian Gameshi of interviewing. Oh,
3: God, no. Because
0: you know how loaded that is. You're like the shad of interviewing.
3: That, yep. That, I'm going to put that on my business card.
0: <laughs> That's the pull quote
1: from this episode. There
0: you go. Now, you said you're looking for guests
3: that are friends
0: for the most part.
3: Not necessarily. I'm looking for guests who are in love.
0: So how, how have you gone about doing that? And how will you go about doing that in the future?
3: Um, I've reached out to people that like started with Becky and Kyle because they're my friends. Uh, I'm also reaching out to people that I think have good love stories that would be good to share. Um, I also have an email, love story podcast at gmail.com. Nice. So if anybody wants to participate in the project, I'm welcome emails.
1: And I'm sure that amongst our tens of listeners, <laughs> <laughs> there are here. a couple who uh will probably be interested in sharing their stories
0: if you uh if you ever want uh, to interview Rachel and I, I think we'd happily do it speaking for her, which is usually <laughs> a bad idea. I, I could probably say the same about myself and Anita, yeah, I think that'd be kind of interesting.
3: I will add you to my list.
0: Phil, how does it feel to now be overshadowed by your wife?
2: <laughs> it, it's actually kind of nice. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, she, she Robin usually likes to kind of stay in the background and not be the focus. Yeah. And I think I get a lot of credit for the Baconhound site. You know, when people love something I wrote or whatever, what they don't realize is that Robin's a big part of that as well. And though she won't stand up there. At the Yeggies, I really wanted her to come up because I thought, realistically, you are... Easily fifty percent of this. Like you should get your ass up here, but uh, she really had no interest. She's not. She's not in it for the glory, like uh, some of us.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> I will <laughs> take the compliment, but that is way overestimating my part.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Every time Phil's ever talked about it, he says you're 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 basically the idiot tamer. <laughs> but if I could, you know, it's you, because you I've sort because of you
3: hypnotized him, like. I've made him believe that I do so much work. Oh, this editing I do, oh, it takes forever. You're such a terrible writer. It's not true. <laughs> no, she's totally
2: got me convinced 100% <laughs> that I do not have a clue where to put a comma. Really? Yes. Because I'll mess up one in a, you know, in a huge article and she'll be like, and why is there a comma here? I'm like, oh, come on. Just read it to me.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> it's
1: but those Oxford commas. They get you every time. They
0: do. And comma splices. Yep. <laughs> I love comma splices. They're confusing.
1: The comma is the raspberry vinaigrette of (laughs) writing, of 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 grammar. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, you you just sprinkle it liberally on everything.
0: There's an idea for you, Phil. Think of a piece of punctuation represented by food uh, for your next 20 blogs. And no well, that one will ever read you again. The right? exclamation
1: point would be the sriracha
2: <laughs> yeah. hot sauce. Holy
0: shit! Of
1: punctuation.
2: Yeah. No, the truffle oil. <laughs> it's the truffle oil. I feel like truffle Everybody oil uses is, it way too much. That's the question. Mark. <laughs> really,
0: truffle oil? Are we yeah. seriously going to do this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you looked really uh, upset at truffle oil there.
0: I fucking hate truffle. You're oil. Throw down on truffle oil. I don't hate truffle oil. I just hate that some chefs like to put it on everything. I yeah. don't understand. How in Edmonton? That's still going on.
2: Yeah, and way too much of it.
0: Yeah, you only need like a drop or two. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: This is the second podcast today. We've uh, had this conversation actually.
0: Where you've talked Spoiler angrily alert. about truffle oil?
2: Yeah, it seems to be a thing I rant about now.
0: That's good. There you go. I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. Now, wh- what are some of the what are some of the things that you had to learn, both of you, in order to become? legit i'm using air quotes here thank you legit (laughs)
3: because we are not legit yes you are
0: (laughs) in order to become legit podcasters what are some of the lessons you can share with our listeners
2: oh you want me to go first oh Oh, man, i didn't learn anything i haven't been paying attention
3: we pretty much Uh, just copied everything adam did
2: yeah essentially that's what we did we went over to your house for one night and said show me the magic
0: and you, took you my, did i took off my pants that's right
2: and then after we saw that <laughs> I said no, um, the we real left very magic. quickly yeah. <laughs> 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 no i mean and, and in all honesty i mean hanging out with you for an evening and and you're showing us the ropes really helped that learning curve immensely and the endless text messages saying uh, uh, look i don't understand what the hell you said to do here and i text you a picture of the computer screen what does this mean and i get an answer back i mean that helps like crazy you don't have to try and and learn everything from square one. So well, that was appreciated. It's
1: the Adam Rosenhart School of Podcasting.
0: All of which I actually learned from Scott C. Bourgeois. <laughs> so it's actually the Scott C. Bourgeois School of Podcasting. Because Scott puts together the show. And I was just like, one day I was like, show me how you do that.
1: Well, because I was unavailable. Yeah. Yeah like in at one episode in our first season. And it was like, well, you're going to have to do it. And Adam was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> what does this button do? Does it blow everything up?
0: No, that's just the space bar on your computer, you idiot, as I recall. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. It's very nice of you to say. I wasn't actually fishing for a compliment there.
2: But I did I did pay you, though. We did bring a couple of biscuits that night. So
0: oh, my I'm God. On, I think that's fair. A phrase I will never say again. I really want Phil's biscuits in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's really the only reason we brought them is to hear you say that.
0: <laughs> so both of you, my, my next question is, is really about like, what are you hoping to accomplish with your podcast? Where do you see them growing? Um, are you hoping to be rich and famous? What do you want to do with your, with your shows?
3: Um, well, Phil obviously wants his fame to grow. He's already super famous in Edmonton. <laughs> so, mm. you know, a couple more TV appearances here and there. I could really, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> that's where we differ. Again, I just, I like to tell the stories. I like people to have that opportunity to tell their stories. Because I find that when you start talking about it, everyone's like, oh, that's how Phil proposed? Well, this is how my boyfriend proposed. And it it's becomes a thing that people really like to hear about. So I'm hoping to spread that and and, and have, give people the opportunity to tell their story.
0: Sure. Phil, what about you? Rich? Famous? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously
2: rich and rich and famous. I'll take it, but uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that with a food-related podcast. <laughs> food-related podcasts are probably the only thing that pays less than food-related labor.
0: You think so? Yeah, probably, yeah.
1: You want to know what pays very well that's food-related? What's that?
0: TV chef. Okay, so here's an idea. You should become... A TV chef.
2: There you go. Have
0: you ever thought about that, actually?
2: Um, not really. No. Okay. You know, being on TV all the time is a pain. You always have to
0: like. I fix wouldn't your know. Hair I wouldn't know, pick Phil. Off your sweatpants. You're all on TV stuff. more than any of us. <laughs> it's true. Really, more than you? Yes. Wow. Scott and That's I haven't something. been on TV since. Ryan Jesperson, bless his heart, was on breakfast television, and he's
1: not even on TV
2: anymore. I
0: know he's on the radio now, so that's where we focus all of our effort now.
2: Yeah, so now, now that's why you guys are into this radio thing, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I've yeah. been
1: into this radio thing for a while. <laughs>
0: Scott's, Scott's, <laughs> Scott's radio thing is the reason there's a podcast thing. So,
1: so see, you
2: already are rich and famous from podcasting and radio.
0: You
1: no? Why are you <laughs> <laughs> the awkward silence? I think spoke.
0: Volumes. Thank God we can hear the air conditioner in the background. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have just been dead air. I don't know. I, you know, I appreciate people who um, – well, sorry. I don't know a lot of people who get into this kind of thing thinking they're going to be rich and famous. Well, just,
2: in all seriousness, I mean, if you ever get into something like this that essentially pays nothing unless you really work to get some sponsorship – uh, if you get into it thinking that you're going to make a bunch of money and be famous and everything from it, uh, I don't know that you're going to produce the kind of work that gets recognized anyways. Because you know, to me, anybody who does anything that's really good starts out with an idea that they're passionate about and they have fun with it and they have a great time with it and they don't care if they make any money at it. And of course, anybody who does something they love wants would love to make it their job at some point. But that's something to me that will happen naturally if... If you love it and people love people love it
0: if you love it so at a minimum fame and fame is maybe one thing fortune is another but phil i know that you have a sponsor for your podcast
2: i do yeah not this episode coming up but uh the episodes after that you know we do have a drinking portion every every time people sit down we're going to pour them a drink and we're going to tell them about what we're going to have to drink and uh, Kravinder from Vino Mania on Jasper Ave is going to sponsor that. He's going to supply us something to drink every week. That's awesome. And so, uh, you know, it's it's not like we're going to break the bank with that, but at least it's off. it offsets a cost that I had, right? Sure. And that's
0: really all I'm asking for. So you just want someone to pay for your terrible habit? Yes. Speaking of drinking, would you hand me the bottle opener, please? I will. That's That's just the kind of show we're doing today. Oh, you could hear that. In the background, <laughs> so nicely, it's fantastic. Robin, have you thought about sponsors like, say, the Traveling Tickle Trunk, or <laughs> I don't know, um, Spence Time? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> really, like, you've interviewed married people so yes. far, right? Yep. So it's one engaged, one
3: married. Okay, okay. Yep.
0: So you've got engagement stories. Yes. Which is, but that's not necessarily all you're looking for.
3: No, um, it was actually interesting phil's last interview for his podcast was Jacqueline Jasek of Jasic chocolates and so after they turned off the microphones and we were all just kind of chatting phil mentioned my podcast and Jacqueline's whole philosophy is spreading joy she wants to put happiness out there and put joy and do things that bring joy and so phil told about my podcast oh my god that's amazing can i support you can i do something can i give you chocolates to give to your guests what like, yes please please give me all the chocolates. That's great. That's
0: a really good people idea. offered to help our podcast. Out. And now they're just like, here's a dime. Don't spend it all in one place. You prick. That's what people say. I, said
2: I never used the word prick.
0: No, no, it was a different word and it was a nickel. Actually, that's sort of how Phil rolls.
3: I thought a dime sounded a little expensive for his. Students. Sounded a little rich for
0: my blood. Yeah. You know what's? <laughs> now, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, I was going to say you—you you just mentioned that you've—you've you've, uh, spoken
1: on your two episodes so far with an engaged couple and a married couple. Are you yes. specifically going to start seeking out different kinds of romantic relationships yes. so that you have a vast variety of different stories?
3: I do, and in addition to having a vast variety of stories, because the stories are all different, I also want to show that despite where people are in their lives who they are that at the at the heart of it the love is the same so i'm hoping to interview a diverse sort of couples couples that have been married hopefully 50 years couples that aren't quite married um couples of you know same-sex couples um anything anything because at the core i believe that love is love and it doesn't matter who you are that your love is beautiful
1: that's a good thesis to um, have. Unless your love is gross.
3: <laughs> unless your love is gross. And like, then I you know what? Not even
1: even gross love can be kind of beautiful <laughs> in its own way.
3: Hey, Robin,
0: so you've done two interviews. Do you have another one that's sort of waiting at all? Or? I do. Okay, yeah. so I've got a question about, about, um, about this. Because when you were interviewing Becky and Kyle, uh, they had met online. Yes. Is, what are you seeing there? Are you seeing a lot of people do a lot of – based on the people you've talked to so far – is da- online dating a thing that's happening?
3: It is. Um, a lot of the people that I've talked to, it's, that's not how they met. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people do it. I think the success stories are a lot smaller.
1: I see. I've, that doesn't surprise me because I've heard that uh, the prevalence of online dating has actually led to more of a hookup culture yeah. than, a, than a long-term relationship culture.
3: Although having said that, Phil and I also met online, and that was 15 years ago. Really? So, yes. Way
0: before
2: it was cool to do that.
0: Where? What did you guys use, out of curious Because Rachel and I met online as well. Did you? Yeah. Oh. So what? What website did you use? Did you? Was it a dating website, or did you guys? Were you on a BBS? Because that would have been a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Meeting on a GeoCities yeah. forum.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I saw, your, uh, I saw your, uh, your GeoCities website with all those animated GIFs, so I thought I'd email
2: you. It wasn't, it wasn't ICQ or anything.
0: No? No. G- can you tell us, How can you call? indulge yeah. us in a, in a story about the one? It
3: was Sure. <laughs> it was a website called Excite.com, which at the time was like Yahoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. So they had a bunch of different aspects to their website. It was like
0: a portal. Almost.
3: Yeah. And so one of those was a dating place. And I had an ad that Phil had actually responded to at one point And I brushed him off. Really? Unknowingly. Really? And so a few weeks later, I responded to his ad. And as we were sort of trading information and learning about each other, he was like, Hmm. Yeah, we've already talked, and you kind of you stopped talking to me. So,
2: <laughs> I don't think we really yeah. talked a bunch, but at least I had a couple of tidbits of information because I recognized a couple things. But, yeah, I, apparently I had a better night the second time. <laughs> my, uh, my first impression was crap. My second it, impression it was okay, I guess. It just
0: goes to show that you can make a second impression. If at yeah. first you don't succeed, relentlessly troll <laughs> your future wife.
2: It was not called trolling back then. No. It's called
0: wooing. Could <laughs> you imagine if that's what we called every oh element of trolling? This would be the most twisted planet on Earth. <laughs> twisted planet on Earth. I see what you did there. Uh-huh. I said a wrong the wrong thing. Um, so, um, who are you going to interview next? Who's Who's going to be your next, the next guest on your guys' shows?
3: Uh, the next couple for me is Amy and Jeff Nachigal. Oh yeah. Amy is sugared and spiced uh, baking. Yeah. So I've tapped them for my next
0: couple. Awesome. And what about you, Felipe?
2: Well, I just did my last one about four or five hours. ago. Right. That was,
0: sorry, say it again.
2: Uh, Shannon from Nature's Green Acres. Right. They're an interesting couple. Just Shannon came on, but um, they've got an interesting aspect too, which I I really wanted to delve into a little bit, where they're living off the land for a year. What? So, I mean, obviously they're farmers, so it's a little easier for them to do that, right? Not like uh, you're tilling up your front lawns. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How are they, are they acquiring gasoline?
2: Well, I mean, there, there's a few things that they're going to, yeah. you know, hygienic things and that kind of thing and, and stuff for the business. You know, when they have to do things farm-related, they're going to do that. But as far as, you know, they're not buying stuff at the grocery store. So it's, um, it's been quite interesting learning what they can and can't have and what they miss and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, It'll be a good one, I think.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. Well, you should tune in to these two people's podcast diseases. The first one by Phil Wilson is called Off Menu. It's available on iTunes. You can also find it on BaconHound.com. Sorry, (laughs) BaconHound.com. I'm not editing that. No, you're not. You're going to... Let me own my mistakes, man. (laughs) Robin's podcast is called The One. And do you have a website associated with it as well?
3: I do. It's on my website, JoyfulFollies.com. Perfect. Or on iTunes.
0: There you go. So actually, here's the thing that you need to do, dear readers. You need to not only subscribe to these podcasts, but you must also rate them and review them because iTunes is this terrible beast that only allows podcasts to rise to the top if they have those two things.
1: And that's why ours has remained steadfastly at the bottom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We do okay. Yeah, we have have a couple positive reviews. I have a feeling in January, it's just really going to take off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the sadness. Oh. Which brings us to something that will make us both very happy. Are you talking about the Fast 15? Why, yes, I am, Scott. Except this time, it's called the Fast 16. Because there's two of you. There's two of you. Mm -hmm. So you've listened to the show before. Yes. You sort of know how this goes. We're going to go uh, Phil, Robin, Phil, Robin, Phil, Robin. Uh, we've got 16 questions. The first 12 are questions we ask of all of our guests, and then the last four, two each, are wild card questions tailored specifically to you. Scary. Yeah, it's very scary. You ready? Yeah. For the fest, 16 with Phil and Robin Wilson. Starting with you, Phil, number one, your favorite food? Burgers. Robin, your favorite color? Yellow. Phil, Mac, PC, or Linux? Mac. Robin, dogs or cats? Cats. Phil, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee, slam dog. Uh, Robin, your favorite holiday.
2: Ah. Uh, <laughs> favorite uh,
3: holiday. holiday, I would say is Hawaii.
0: There you (laughs) go. (laughs) That is a good answer. (laughs) Yep. I've been there and it's a good answer. I have not, but my parents met there. Speaking of romance, maybe they can be
3: on the podcast. (laughs) Pass my information along.
0: Uh, Phil, your favorite sport?
2: Oh, hockey, I guess, sort of. I don't know. You watch it? That's tough. That's painful.
0: Okay, Robin, your favorite pastime? My podcast right now. There you go. Uh, Phil, favorite show to binge watch on Netflix right now?
2: Oh, boy, we're watching a couple. Uh, it's kind of a tie between Chuck and Deadwood right now.
0: Oh, Ooh, Deadwood is on Netflix. No. No, it's oh, on... It's on
2: one of the other services. with The Bell one. Crave TV, Damn yes. about it. There's so many of those things now.
0: That's okay. Uh, Robin, your favorite movie?
3: My favorite movie is... Wait a minute, I know this one. You keep
0: asking her the hard
1: questions.
3: Yeah, Yeah, she gets the tough ones. This is great. It's good, though. It's good. Uh, Oh, Across the Universe. Ooh, okay. Hmm. I don't think we've heard that one yet.
0: No. Phil, your favorite video game. Okay, now I got a hard
2: one. Uh, (laughs) I haven't played video games in so long.
0: Not even on your phone?
2: Uh, I'm going to say old school ColecoVision Donkey Kong.
0: Good choice. Sold. (laughs) Robin, if you could have one superpower, what would it be?
3: Reading people's minds.
0: You don't do that already?
3: It's dark, I know. (laughs) Okay.
0: Phil, we're on to our wild card questions. Number one recommended restaurant for out-of-towners.
2: Corso 32 for me, hands down.
0: All right. Robin, what is one of your favorite things that this guy cooks?
3: There's so many. What's one of my favorites? Give me some hints. Uh, his hollandaise sauce. Ooh. Far and away the best I've ever had.
0: That is highly specific. Indeed. We will allow it. <laughs> the eggs Benny must be uh, a treat. Now, these last two questions, I, the, I, they're a little bit Phil-skewed, so I apologize for that. That's fine. But the, I'm, the last two wildcard questions, I'm going to ask you each the same one. And I want you to answer on the count of three. Okay? You ready for this? So this is wild card 15 and 16. (laughs) Who's the better cook? One, two, three, Phil. Me. (laughs) (laughs) Is that right, Robin?
3: Yeah. Unless it's like craft dinner or grilled cheese.
0: So you're you're not you're not the cooker in the oh heavens no is that right yeah.
2: she is the taster though she's the tweaker at the end of every recipe so I get it ninety nine percent there and she finishes it off with that last little touch that makes it perfect
0: wow that last one
1: wow. percent is the hardest percent <laughs> the one percent that's why they have trouble getting it out of the milk
0: the one percent is the worst percent <laughs> I think we've all learned that politically over the last seventy eight days it's also the best percent arguably well the richest percent. Fuck those guys. That's all I have to say about that. The other thing I have to say about that is thank you so much for being
3: on the show. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: We love listening to both of your podcasts. Let's say them again. Off menu. And you can find them on iTunes. And the other one is? The one. Which you can also find on iTunes or at joyfulfollies.com. Boom.
1: So when you are looking for new things to listen to. When we are dead, which you, will be there in are, December. There are two options for you.
0: Yeah. At least two. And I highly recommend you listen to them, not just if you're in Edmonton, but also if you're anywhere else. They're great shows, uh, wonderful work. I'm so excited that you guys are doing this. It's awesome. Thanks for being on the show.
3: Thanks so much.
2: Thanks for the support as always, Adam. And uh, Scotty Bourgeois. I can't even just say Scott anymore. I have to say Scotty
0: Bourgeois. Some people just call him Scotty. Yeah. Yep. Those people are not known to you. (laughs) Not
1: really. (laughs) You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 121. Our guests, Robin and Phil Wilson. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.
3: So don't say anything that'll get you fired.
0: But you can edit it. That's true. (laughs) And I won't use it for evil.